Jesus by the will of God and Timothy, our brother. To God's holy people in Colossae, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ, grace and peace to you from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people, the faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf and who also told us of your love in the spirit. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience, and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we praise you. We thank you for your word. Thank you for uh, this letter to the Colossians and a letter to us as well. Thank you that you are the, the true way maker, the miracle worker. As we come to ponder your word, now we pray that you would speak and give us ears to hear and hearts to receive. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. What a wonderful passage. Thank you, Rachel, for reading it for us. Yes, so we are starting a new series, a summer series here in the evening service, looking at the letter to the Colossians. And it's all about who Jesus is, and what that means for how we should live. A little bit of scene setting. I've got a, a map, which will come up on the screen. Excellent. Uh, here's a little map. I wonder if you can tell where Albania is. Maybe it's just off the north there. Um, so Colossi was a city in uh, modern-day Turkey. Um, it's a church plant, actually, planted from Ephesus. You can see just across there, about 100 miles away, Ephesus. Um, so the Apostle Paul was involved in Ephesus, but actually um, didn't go to Colossae, at least at the time of writing this letter. Instead, his friend and colleague Epaphras, who we heard in, about in the reading, was the one who kind of planted and was leading this church. And Epaphras was visiting Paul in prison, probably in Rome, just to give him a little update about what was happening. And in response, Paul uh, puts pen to paper to write a letter to encourage the Christians in Colossae, uh, to encourage them in their living of the Jesus life. And God is powerfully at work in the Colossian church. 
but they faced a couple of challenges. And we'll, we'll come on to those more in future weeks. The main challenge seems to be that they were kind of threatened by this non-Christian uh, philosophical set of ideas. And in chapter 2, verse 8, Paul describes this as a hollow and deceptive philosophy which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. Which doesn't sound too dissimilar to perhaps what our situation here is in the 21st century West. Uh, so more on that later in the series. And the second thing is, Paul really wants to get across that what we believe matters because it affects the way we live or should live our lives. And so in Colossians, Paul first spends the first kind of half of the letter talking about who Jesus is, what he's done for us. And then he moves on to kind of discipleship. You know, what does that mean in our lives? And today's passage is divided into two. First, Paul gives thanks to God for uh, what he's doing amongst the Colossians. And then he moves on to pray for them. And basically, he thanks and prays for them the same things. And so that's what we're going to look at. Three things that Paul recognizes in the Colossians and gives thanks for, but that also prays for more of. Firstly, there's a, the hopeful inheritance that we have as Christians. Secondly, fruitful growth. And thirdly, godly understanding. So you've got hope, fruit, and understanding. And all of these are meant to empower the Christian life as we follow Jesus. So let's look at the first one. First is a hopeful inheritance. I've got a couple of verses up. So Paul firstly gives thanks. He says, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we've heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love you have for all God's people, the faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven. And then later in our passage, he puts this into prayer. He prays that the Colossians will give joyful thanks to the Father who's qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. It's the, this certain hope of eternal life uh, with God that fuels our confident faith and fuels our acts of service in the here and now. Now, I have been following over the last few months, uh, and particularly in the last few weeks, the billionaire space race. I don't know if anyone else is really excited about this. Obviously, early this week, Jeff Bezos blasted into space, and uh, a few days before that, Richard Branson pipped into the post. Jeff Bezos is the richest man in the world. Uh, he is currently worth uh, just over $200 billion, which is uh, more than many countries in the world. Uh, more than the GDP of many countries in the world. And it got me thinking, being an inheritor of someone like Jeff Bezos or Richard Branson kind of changes the way, or would change the way that uh, you would live your life, wouldn't it? Because you know what, kind of what's coming in the future. Um, at least in material terms, you've got kind of security, there's potential, you can kind of do whatever you want uh, in financial terms. And also, I guess, a kind of hefty sense of responsibility and so there's this idea of the inheritance affects the way we live now. But of course, what Paul's on about is, is a completely different inheritance. Um, firstly, I mean, neither Bezos nor his descendants can actually take any of this with them when they die. And also, I, I don't know about you, but I don't have access to Bezos's 
finances, unless perhaps I manage to persuade him to make me his adopted son or something, but that's a bit of a long shot. But it's not so with the inheritance that God gives us. You know, we read there that the, the Father has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people through Jesus. And in fact, the hopeful inheritance that's stored up for us in heaven isn't a number on a financial spreadsheet, but it's a person. It's Jesus who has been raised from death and ascended into heaven. And he is there interceding for us and preparing a place for us. And it's on the basis of all of this that the faith and love of the Colossians and us kind of springs from and comes from and grows from. Because we can live now in the light of what God has ahead for us. So what does that mean kind of for us in the day-to-day? I want to use an example from uh, The Lord of the Rings. Now, um, when you get to know me, you will soon discover that I love J.R.R. Tolkien and um, his fantasy works in Middle Earth. So if there's anyone out there who loves that too, do come and uh, chat with me. I'd love that. Um, And Tolkien, for for Tolkien, hope is a really central theme. Um, he He had a deep Christian faith, and it permeates through everything that he wrote. And Tolkien himself had, had quite a difficult life. He was orphaned at an early age. He, he was raised by a Roman Catholic priest for most of his childhood. Um, he fought in the First World War and most, saw most of his friends die. Um, and then later in life, he witnessed his beloved English countryside being destroyed by rampant industrialization. And yet, he managed to, he held on to this hope which kind of fueled the way he lived his life. And we see this in the the way the heroes of the Lord of the Rings embody this. They they see through the apparent hopelessness the future, God's good future that's free from evil. And that enables them to fight in battles that seem hopeless or even embark upon a quest that seems hopeless in human terms. Because God's in control and He has a good destination which we can be confident in. And so for us, I I wonder, perhaps there's circumstances in an area of your life which kind of seems like cause for hopelessness. Perhaps you're not sure kind of where life's going for you. Perhaps God seems silent. But just like Tolkien's heroes, we can act out of this certainty of the future knowing and trusting in God and and what he has for us, stored up in heaven for us. And so I wonder, just a question for you and for me, what fuels the way that you look at the world and how you go about your day-to-day? What kind of hope of the future do you act out of if you're really honest with yourself? Is it material things, things like money or career or maybe reputation, or family, or friends? Or is it that inheritance, the inheritance of God's holy people, which is stored up in heaven for you and for me? So, we've got hopeful inheritance. Now, fruitful growth. So, Paul gives thanks. He says, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as it has been doing amongst you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. And then he turns to prayer. 
He prays that the Colossians will bear fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience. And we've been hearing some about that, uh, about the work of YWAM uh, in Albania, which is super encouraging. I feel like there's, a, there's an encouragement and a challenge here. The encouragement is that the gospel, the good news of Jesus, is growing across the world and even within us and locally. And the challenge that comes with it is that God uses you and me in that growth. Now, it might not feel like the last year and a half has been a time of fruitfulness for you. I know certainly when I look back on it, I'm not sure if it is for me. But Paul here is challenging us. By God's purposes, the gospel is growing in the world. I was really struck a few months ago, I watched an interview given by Nicky Gumbel, um, pastor of a church in London who really developed the Alpha course, which is a course for people who are new to faith or um, kind of exploring Christian faith. And he was saying, this interview was in the height of lockdown, he was saying he was really skeptical. He didn't think Alpha would work online. He thought people won't come, people won't stick with it, you can't really connect. But actually he was really, uh, he became convinced actually that he said he thinks actually it works better online than it did in person. Because God's gospel is growing and bearing fruit. And even when, from human perspective, it seems like that'll never work. God, through his purposes, is working. Now, I've got a photo of a tree in town to show you. Yes, this is a tree that I uh, uh, encountered on Holly Walk in the town center. I was just uh, walking around the parish and just praying um, a few weeks ago. And this, uh, I was particularly struck by the many have leafy trees around the city center. And this one particularly caught my attention. I don't know if you can see what looks a little bit odd about it. It's growing in the middle of the path. <laughs> now, obviously, the tree was probably there first, and, and then the, the road has been built around it. But I really felt God say to me, look for growth in unexpected places. Growth in unexpected places in this season. Because the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world. So I wonder, in the midst of great change around you, where are the places of unexpected growth in, in your life? And as capacity kind of begins to grow in the coming weeks, you know, just like this road has been widened around the church, this is a great time to be asking the Lord, you know, where are the places of growth that you've been cultivating in me that are ready to bear fruit now? And it might be new relationships or deepen relationships over the last year and a half with those who don't yet know Jesus. It might be you've actually the lockdown's been great for your prayer life and that's ready to bear fruit. It might be you've grown a passion for a particular area or network. It could be something else. And yes, these last 18 months have been kind of dry and barren in a way. But I just want to... I hear the challenge from me, and I want to offer it to you as well, to just to be seeking God on where are the places that have been uh, fruitfully growing as well as the ones that have been dry. So, finally, godly understanding. Paul gives thanks, he says, in verse 6, 
The gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as it has been doing amongst you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. And then he turns to prayer. He says, we continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will and all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way. Now, the Greek word for knowledge and understanding here is epinosis. That's related to the word gnosis, which means knowledge. And that's, that's the word we get gnostic from, which is a, a kind of Christian heresy uh, which uh, suggests that instead of just faith in Christ, you also need a sort of secret knowledge um, to be kind of revealed to you before you can be saved. It's also related to the word agnostic, which literally means don't know. Um, I don't know, perhaps, uh, perhaps you're an agnostic, or perhaps you're agnostic in a, in a particular area of faith at the moment. But Paul uses epinosis, which means a kind of full and decisive knowledge given by the Holy Spirit, who lets us know the presence of God, who empowers us in following Jesus, who comforts us in the difficult times. And as Christians, we're, we're not agnostic, not knowing. We're not Gnostic, focused on the kind of particulars that we need to know. But to have this kind of epinosis knowledge, the knowledge of God that comes through relationship with him. And it's a knowledge, firstly, of God's grace, you know, what he's done for us, but also of God's will, what he's doing for others. So what does this mean for us? This godly understanding is meant to affect the way that we live, the way we treat others, the way we treat ourselves, the way we treat possessions. Living a life that's worthy of Jesus and pleasing to him. And I wonder if there's some of us here who perhaps feel like we've been going all out for a long time, um, you know, been involved in lots of mission and ministry in your, ne- your neighborhood, or your network, but perhaps you're just feeling a bit disconnected and weary. I wonder if God wants to remind us what he's done for us on the cross, what he's done for you on the cross, to just revitalize your understanding with this full, decisive knowledge of his grace and his desire for you to know him more deeply, and from that place to fuel uh, you going all out for him. Or perhaps, equally, you're maybe feeling really close to the Lord, you know, you're loving quiet times, prayer, you know, digging into the Bible, but perhaps you're aware it's at risk of feeling a bit insular. In that case, God may be wanting to show us more of his will for others. What does he long uh, for you to join with him in, in bringing his love and his grace to those around you by blessing others? Okay, so we're coming into land. So we've looked at three things, haven't we? Three aspects that kind of resource life following Jesus that Paul wants to commend to the Colossians and to us. First, there's that hope that's stored up in heaven for us, that empowers us as we live now. There's the fruit, God's at work around the world and in us, which encourages us and invites us to join with him. And then we've got the, that understanding, knowing God as father and friend, which gives us confidence and sends us out. All three are part of the resources 
available in the Christian life. So let's thank God for what he's given us and pray for more. So let's just have a a moment of quiet now to, I've said much, time for us to just listen and um, become aware of God's presence. I wonder if if just uh, ask God, is there just one thing from all this that has really struck home with you? Is there one thing that the Holy Spirit perhaps wants to just to, to put his hand on in your heart. It can be to do with acting out of hope or being kind of caught up in the fruitfulness of God's kingdom or taking a step back and getting that kind of deep understanding, relational understanding with God. So we invite you, come Holy Spirit and Speak to us now. Would you encourage us now? Would you enliven us? Just before the service, uh, we were praying and um, we had a a picture of uh, a dark room and a door being opened and light kind of flooding in. We just pray if that kind of resonates with you. Uh, Lord, we, we pray that you would, or we thank you that you, your light floods into our life. Help us to more fully open the door to your presence with us. Amen. Well, we're going to sing our final song now, and it picks up on what we've been thinking about, about the living hope uh, that we have through what Jesus has done for us on the cross. So let's, uh, let's stand uh, and sing, and yeah, this is a time really to press into the Lord, particularly if that kind of idea of the hope, acting out of hope that's stored up for heaven for us really struck with you. So yeah, let's stand and sing.